Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, Stephen, first order of business before talking about video games is we have to talk about other video game podcasts. Uh, it is very possible that you, dear listener, are a new listener uh, because we recently got a shout out from the Besties, which was kind of a wild experience. Um, yeah. They they included us in a list of uh, their favorite video game podcasts, uh, or at least video game podcasts <laughs> that other people should check okay, out. You said that. Like, wait, we got to double check this. Yeah. <laughs> this um, can't be right. Which, like, a, a truly wild so experience. Um, yeah. You know, alongside, like, some other absolutely ridiculous podcasts. Like, actually, some of my favorite podcasts for real. Like, Spawn on Me was in there with... Yeah. Like on it, you you said uh, you you said to me at one point you were like I went and listened to that Spawn on Me episode and it might have been like one of the most important things I've ever listened to which like for real um, yeah. the uh, Game Maker's Notebook which is like f- honestly one of my favorite podcasts that exists um, their episode uh, that's an interview with Phil Spencer just about like I don't, that dude is so wildly candid uh, whenever he speaks uh, he like he is not holding anything close to the vest at all generally. Not that he's not keeping some kind of secrets about next gen, but like that dude is very open. Anyway, great interview. Uh, like Giant Bomb was in there. Uh, Triple Click, which is like the new like version of Kotaku split screen now that they're no longer part of Kotaku and part of Max Fun. So like, I don't know. It's like ridiculous company to be in. I think um, we were totally blindsided by it and uh, very humbled by it. And I don't even really know still what to think or do about it, uh, except say thanks, I guess. And if you're a new yeah. listener, thanks for joining us. I mean, I, th- I think you and I have- have often said like it means the world when like literally anyone reaches out saying they like the show like yeah we made we made a new video game podcast in 2018 and like <laughs> knew what that meant yeah it's like yeah. making a ska band basically it's like well let's see how this works out <laughs> um but like you know to, to for those who have a much bigger platform than us choosing to to champion our show alongside shows that we like look up to so greatly it was so like just thank you that, that was so cool to see i'm glad i I'm glad you enjoyed us enough to put us on that list. Yeah, just thank you. That's like really all I can say. Uh, we're both really humbled by it. Yeah. Um, oof. Wild. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, if you listen to that, um, <laughs> the episode that was linked was the, was the Kentucky Route Zero like discussion episode, which yeah. is like maybe one of the most like esoteric and like w- wild episodes to like be introduced to this show via because like it a gets like extremely heavy towards the end, uh, yeah. and b at the end is forty five minutes of highway noise. So like <laughs> in a way, it is maybe the best introduction to this podcast possible. Um, but at the same time. Time, um, I guess just to like give an overview <laughs> uh, of, about the show, uh, I would we call ourselves a low key video game podcast right at the front. That's the thing that we say every week. We generally try and bring that energy. I think it gets a little bit more chaotic than that usually. But the idea is that Steven and I are are very frequently or almost always only talking about games that we like really enjoy or or uh, have like. I don't know, just things we want to talk about. Uh, but generally, like, we're never going to come to the show with like, oh, boy, this game sucks and we hate it. And here's an hour of us dunking on this thing. That is that is extremely not what we're all about. So I don't know if that's the kind of vibe that you're into, then I guess stick around. And if you want uh, like sick gamer takes, big dunks, uh, slam dunk contest 2020. I don't know. There are other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought you were going to reference another one of our episodes. Like, you'll love the Cats 2019 episode. <laughs> or, you know. Uh, even that episode ended up being us being, like, generally pretty positive about it, even though it is objectively a bad piece of media. It was us slowly turning into cats, honestly. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's really it. I mean, I think um, if you if you like, I, I think in retrospect, so I was wondering, like, man, that is a really interesting, like, first episode choice. But I don't really know. Like, I don't think we have like a definitive like this is the one to check out. They're all kind of like, which challenge do you want? Yeah. <laughs> do, you want like, <laughs> do you want the eight hour games of the decade episode where I cry at like hour seven? Or do you want like two hours of Southern Gothic discussion? Yeah. Uh, Which like, honestly, like the games of the decade episode is still our most downloaded episode for the most part. Um, Yeah. With the with the outlier being uh, lo-fi hip hop beats the study slash relax to the video game. (laughs) Which was like us cheating the system, I guess. Yeah, which is absolutely people just going on Spotify and elsewhere and just searching for lo-fi hip hop beats and then downloading that thinking like, oh, we suspected Pokemon. Like, oh, my God, this is (laughs) not what I wanted. Um, I wanted to study and relax. But I I think our our number one most downloaded episode in good faith is wildly enough the Games of the Decade episode, which is a full eight hours long, almost nine, which is like absolutely wild. So I I think you're right. And it's more like what challenge do you want? Anyway, the plan is that this episode is going to be more of a normal one. Uh, Yeah. Steve and I are talking about uh, some stuff, I think, all on Switch now that I'm thinking about it. Are we only talking about Switch games today? I guess we are. And mobile. I mean, yeah. a bunch of my games are cross-platform, but uh, yeah, cool. Um, I do want to also mention before uh, we actually get into the first game that Steven's talking about, we are uh, we, we have decided that our bonus episode for the month, our Patreon bonus episode for this month is going to be Pokemon Crystal. Um, I'm so excited. Which is like, yeah, extremely exciting. I've been streaming it a little bit on the uh, Aether Twitch account. Um, that's twitch.tv slash into the cast, which has been really fun. Uh, but you were playing it on 3DS because it's on the eShop there, which is kind of wild. It's ten, I think it's 10 bucks on eShop. Which is I didn't uh, know what century I was in, Brendan, when I like opened my 3DS and typed in my credit card number with like a stylus ordering yeah. Pokemon Crystal. <laughs> uh, I thought the eShop on the 3DS was like over. Like I thought they got rid of it. I yeah, guess I was kind of surprised. Also, like. I, I I guess I just assumed that it was gone, but it's not. I mean, I went and also downloaded Pokemon Crystal on my 3DS. Yeah. So, like, we're not going to talk about Pokemon Crystal right now, but I, I would like to briefly just touch on how incredible the 3DS is as a system Please. still. Yeah. I mean, like, so I, I have the the new 3DS, not the XL. I have, like, the smaller one, which I got the, like, I think it was the Happy Home Designer Edition. So, like, it came with a bunch of Animal Crossing faceplates. And then I actually imported a bunch of Animal Crossing faceplates from Japan as well. So, I have this great, like, KK slider on one side. Uh, and then I have, like, the Animal Crossing leaves on the other oh, side. Oh, hell which is yeah. I love that. Really 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 nice uh I'm, I'm just like such a huge fan of this thing still and I, I kind of i don't know i kind of wish i was using it more i mean like the switch is great don't get me wrong but like i've talked about this a lot on the show but my my main gripe with the switch is that it's not really portable i mean they they say it's portable right it it has a quote-unquote handheld mode but there's nothing like taking a nintendo uh, sorry a nintendo 3ds and like shoving it in your pocket you know like yeah that feeling is so I mean, good not that it's a problem right now but the shoulder space required to play the switch on the the train, which I tried many times, is like akin to playing a, a ukulele, basically. Yeah. Like you still have to be a little bit spread out, whereas the 3DS, you know, is actually transportable. And I think this is this is the point that you and I always talk about, but like it is baffling that on the 3DS you can watch Netflix, uh, watch Twitch, watch, you know, all, all those services 
customize the interface to your heart's content, buy all these themes, and customize the exterior. And the Switch is like, do you want white or black? That's it. Right. <laughs> there's, there's even insultingly a menu for themes that has not been updated since it was released. Yeah. And like, which is now over have... three years. Which I think yeah. it's worth noting. Like, it's been a long time. I don't need to spend eight ninety nine to get like a Toad themed theme. Right. Uh, but I also like wouldn't mind some customization and it just like it is so night and day with the 3DS, uh, which is kind of ironic that yeah. like they went all out like who is watching Netflix on their 3DS? <laughs> I want to meet them and hang out. Yeah, I, uh, when I when I turned on my 3DS, the first thing that I got was a notification from Nintendo that was like, we have removed the YouTube app. But now if you go to YouTube.com on the browser, it's compatible. So they, they removed the actual app itself. But like you can just go visit it and watch it, which is like, great. Why would I do that? I will, I never will. But it's fun that the option is there. <laughs> you know, like, That's the thing. thing. There's a lot of features on the 3DS. Where I'm like, that's so cool. I'm never going to use it, including yeah. the 3D itself. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Same. But yeah, I mean, it's an incredible system. Like the library is great, uh, you know, like and and the backwards compatibility with the DS, which we'll get to soon, like that having both libraries in one place in addition to the digital store where you could buy a crystal for ten dollars, which is like unless you're emulating it is the cheapest you can get it for. Yeah. Um, still, it, it is the only later. way to get it legally currently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can't think of another I, way that you can get Pokemon crystal right now. You could buy a used copy for like $30. Yeah. But, I mean know. like from Nintendo, like this is Nintendo's IP and this is the Pokemon company's IP. And this is the only way this game is available on last gen's handheld system. <laughs> <laughs> There's even, I check cause I'm like, Oh, I guess all the like trade features are, are non-existent, but you can actually still link up via 3ds, which is amazing yeah so if you want and you can take all those pokemon and put them in the pokemon bank like you could you could take all the pokemon from your crystal save and then put them in pokemon bank and then put them in pokemon sword and shield yeah which is that's amazing absurd yeah yeah it's just, it's just such a cool system i mean i also like i every blue moon i'll go back to i've had a weird inkling to go back to fire emblem awakening for some reason mm. um yeah and like you know i have a the ds port of chrono trigger is like easily the best version of the game i think other than the original for super nintendo but like it's pricey um <laughs> so yeah 3DS, a good system. Maybe not a hot take. It's like their highest selling piece of hardware <laughs> ever. Yeah. But it was also around for forever. Like, I, I think we talked about Persona Q2, which I think was the last game made for it. And it that was, was yeah. last year. Yeah. So that system was around for eight years, like making games. Yeah. Um, pretty and, amazing. And was great, like, pretty much the whole time. I mean, think about how many, just talking about Pokemon, think about how many Pokemon games were released on that thing. Yeah. X and Y, uh, the remake of uh, Ruby Sapphire, which I still haven't played. Yeah. Uh, and Sonic. Moon. Oh, and Ultra Sun and Moon, excuse me. Yes. Sun and Moon uh, and Ultra Sun and Moon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, I guess like 10. But also, like, it just, it, I keep thinking about Virtual Console on Switch and how it's pretty much just kind of materialized via the uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Like, you're, you can download the NES and the Super Nintendo libraries, and they have, you know, a constantly, uh, actually, constantly might be a little bit too generous, but they have uh, it, an infrequently updated list of games uh, that you can just, like, download for free if you are have a Nintendo online subscription, which like on one hand, great. I'm into that. It's cool. Those games are amazing. They, they just announced that they're adding Donkey Kong Country, which is like, oh, I'm so sick. excited. Yeah. We should do an episode about it. Yeah, we should. I cool. would love to, I would love to revisit that game. Um, yeah. But anyway, like that's that's cool. But I do wonder if like there's no monetary incentive for them to be adding games to it that frequently because 
it's technically like a free giveaway with the online uh, subscription. And, and it makes me wonder if the virtual console like would have been the better way to go from like both a consumer standpoint, because it means that like if there's demand for a game, Nintendo releasing that game would hopefully return profit for them. Right. And it's all profit for them because it's literally like the the um, the Disney vault. Right. It's like taking Lilo and Stitch out of the Disney vault and finally releasing it on Blu-ray, like taking Pokemon Crystal and putting that on the Nintendo Switch would be like a gangbusters uh hot cakes selling uh wild <laughs> piece of digital media for them you know uh-huh. um yeah but it's not happening and i don't think it's gonna happen right like do you see i don't see a future anymore where nintendo is like cool we have now added another system that you can download a bunch of free games for and it's like the game boy and the pokemon games are included like i don't see that happening really yeah i, I don't either and i and i truly wonder why like because I, I think the virtual marketplace was such a big deal and borderline a placeholder for right. the wii and the wii u like both the especially the wii u's virtual console was great and i mean it kind of had to be because yeah. nothing else is happening <laughs> so they're like well you got a pokem tournament i guess you can get earthbound <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but yeah 3ds great i am really excited for the crystal episode too because like i mean last episode we said we didn't know what our bonus is going to be and like this is the first time that you and i really had to like talk for longer than like 20 minutes about what the bonus is going to be yeah because like i think every month prior we've been doing bonuses since last september and there was a clear contender for every month yeah uh or something we had kind of planned prior you brought up a great point with Crystal, where it's like, why don't we do an older game? Like, why don't we do an older game that brings us joy? The exact opposite of The Last of Us Part <laughs> 2, <Yep. laughs> which we loved, but, you know, is a new game that uh, made us very sad. So, we're doing Crystal. Yeah, so that will come out, I probably, I would I would wager, like, towards the end of the month. It's going to come out sooner. We Also, give your admiration and awe to AJ, because, like, for the <laughs> yeah, last... For real. 5,000 years, he has done a giant bonus episode at the, at the end of the month. And, like, we said it before, but up until recently, we had our giant season two finale, we had our giant season three intro, and then we had the last part <laughs> two bonus, which is like collectively longer than the Godfather trilogy somehow. <laughs> so, like, all like to the minute, like, that is not good. Yeah. So, we're for all our sake, we're gonna maybe like give AJ more time. So, expect bonuses, like, not always at the end of the month maybe closer to the middle, depending on what it is. Yeah. Anyway, all that having been said, we're going to be talking about Pokemon Crystal. If you have questions that you'd like to send us, um, please send them via literally any channel. You can go to intothecast.online um, to find all of the social channels that we exist on. Or you can go to theworstgarbage.online and join our Discord and ask in there. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions already and um, would love more. So Yeah. Also, yeah. I want to advertise on your behalf. Brendan did a stream recently that is... Uh, Sage Zavad on our Twitch channel uh, of him playing Crystal. It's so fun. It's so good. <laughs> I was starstruck, Brendan. You were great up there. Um, on I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I would. I would love to do it again. Um, yeah, I'm hoping next week when I'm back from my uh, weird vacation, which is not really a vacation, but like kind of a vacation. Um, when I'm back from that, <laughs> I would like. To, I would like to stream more. Cool. All right. That was a lot. That was like a lot of. I like preamble. weird vacation as a subtitle for something. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> 
Um, anyway. Yeah, that is that is good. Yeah, that that's the ska band that we should have started in 2018 <laughs> instead of this oh, podcast. Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too thin with my uncle, and I want to go home, but I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I fell in love before I knew what love meant. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that sucked. Welcome, new listeners. Hope you like this. Uh, <laughs> We were in that playlist once. Remember that? <laughs> we talked about Kentucky Red Zero and he thought the show was good. Um, <laughs> now we're banned from Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of like Teen Angst 2007, maybe Ska Energy, I've been playing The Last of Us. A- <laughs> 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 the Last of Us Part Three: Weird Vacation. Oh man, it's a really strange direction for the series to go. You go tubing with a bloater. Um. <laughs> I know you want a corn dog. Just wait in line like everyone else. Hi, can we have three uh, bottles of pills and uh, three corn dogs? And maybe like a water bottle and a rag. <laughs> Do you want to take a break and then try that again? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I saw as I laughed, the like webbing of my mic protector, whatever you call it, would like shook. So why don't we why don't we take a step yeah. back and reevaluate? AJ, we need oh the break God. noise pronto. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Okay. See you in a few minutes and then I'll tell you what I'm actually playing. I can't believe I did that. Okay. Be back soon. Brendan, I took a, a quick cold shower and did a few laps around my, my neighborhood, bought a bottle of water and poured it out into a small bowl and looked at my own reflection and realized what I'm actually playing, which is not The Last of Us. Uh, it is The World Ends With You. Yes. Uh, and similar titles. I'll give myself that. Anyway, no excuse. Uh, I've been playing The World Ends With You, uh, which is a game that came out on the DS originally back in 2007. And they have since re-released it for a lot of things. Uh, and, and I've been playing it on Switch, uh, which it came out in 2018 i think it's called like the final episode let me let me double check real quick i do know it was ported to mobile at one point i imagine it's probably on pc is that is that true at this point it's on uh ios android this the, the switch and ds oh wow so, not pc okay not pc which would actually maybe work but anyway uh this was released on switch uh final remix uh, which gives you a hint that it was made by the same team that does a lot of the kingdom hearts games <laughs> yeah it came on the DS and I and I had heard about it. Um, it has a very strong cult following and I've always wanted to check it out but never did for whatever reason. And I saw it was on sale on Switch and I was like, well, why not? This is the perfect time. Like, uh, we're both in, in a mindset of season three to check out even more stuff we've never experienced. And uh, it's worth noting that this game is is very much made with the DS in mind. The DS and the Wii were both eras of Nintendo where their hardware had kind of like a central gimmick. So the Wii was motion controls and the DS was the dual screens and the stylus touchpad. Right. That, <laughs> the DS's hardware, I think, paid off way more than the Wii eventually. Yeah. So it's largely about kind of like a elite beat agents or games like that. Mm. It is centered around like tapping on the screen and doing different motions with the stylus to do different attacks. 
uh, which I'll get into oh, later. Wow. Okay. I, I'm playing it on the Switch, and I know a lot of people who are big fans of the, of the game might be like, how do you play this on any other system, you know, given how it's made? Yeah. Before I get into, like, what the game is about and, and how I'm liking it, uh, which I am greatly, on the Switch, they have it all in one screen, and you can either play it uh, handheld, because there's touchscreen, you know, on the Switch, uh, or you can play it with motion controls using one Joy-Con, which weirdly I have been doing, and I think that works significantly better than the touchscreen does for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the game is about. Um, it feels to me a lot like uh, very similar vibes to Persona Five in the sense that it takes place in a fictionalized version of Shibuya and is like very infectious with like it's really cool music and like the fashion and just the like aesthetic of the game is like really really cool it also reminds me a lot of like um jet set radio like it has that kind of like Mm. aesthetic to the like almost graffiti art style and the music right but it it's a pretty interesting setup so you play as uh, Neku, who is this teenage boy who is like, <laughs> he, he like, on one end you have Holden Caulfield and Cloud Strife, and then like even further down you have this guy. In terms of just like, he opens the game being like, who cares about other people? They're just phonies. I just want to be by myself. Oh, okay. Like, whatever. And <laughs> sure. like, he says that like eight times in a row and is also always wearing headphones. Yeah. So like, they, they drill that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so like you get it after the eighth time he says I don't care about other people, but he ends up in this in this strange version of the afterlife where like everyone is still in Shibuya, but they're not like in the same reality as the people who are like walking around the streets. They're yeah. kind of like in their own version of it. And there's this strange almost kind is of like, it like is it Shibuya game. crossing like as in like crossing over into the afterlife? Is that kind of the idea there? Oh wow, I need to make the connection. I I I think that would probably make sense. Interesting. Shibuya, if I'm not mistaken, is like sort of like the like Times Square of Tokyo, right? Like it's sort of the yeah, kind of yeah. I, I like yeah. I whenever I think Shibuya, I specifically think of Shibuya Crossing, and and whenever I think of the world ends with you, I also think of all of the art. I think showing exactly that point in Shibuya, yeah. right? Yeah. I guess less because Times Square is basically just like eight red lobsters. It's more like the fashion <laughs> and like you yeah. know, it's it's like the it's like a really trendy area. Um, <laughs> And that kind of bleeds into the identity of the game where like it's all kind of linked to like fashion and and uh, and the music and everything. Um, oh, sorry, I was just thinking about how like I might not have to go back to New York City to go to my office anymore. And like, honestly, great, because I used to have to walk through Times Square every day. And you're right. It really is just oh like God. experiencing the smells of eight yeah, red man. lobsters. I mean, we're both from Jersey, like we're both from uh, northern New Jersey. So like we grew up like in and out of New York and like I love New York, but like I feel like anyone visits wants to see Times Square because that's like what you see that's like the visual like oh shit I'm in New York right but like truly like the minute you get used to the big it's like big coke ads I'm not even trying to be like Banksy about this like it's truly (laughs) eight red lobsters yeah and the minute you go like eight blocks in any other direction it gets interesting yeah like Times Square itself is a and also like that's where Penn Station is I also had to commute through Times Square and like run away from Iron Man who wanted my autograph or actually the other way around (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing today? Oh, I've been playing The Last of Us and Iron Man wants my autograph. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, so you're in this kind of strange version of the afterlife where there's sort of this battle royale game happening where you have, like, there's a timer on the palm of your hand and you have to, like, 
complete the objectives of this strange game uh, before your timer resets and you can progress to, like the next day of this event. Um, and if you lose, you're erased. So like your existence is gone. Oh, OK. Uh, Great. So <laughs> it's like pretty it's not dark on the surface, but the, the situation is inherently very grim. Yeah. Um, Jeez. And I think that's kind of what makes the the themes of it like resonate with me. And like even though some of the dialogue can be a little bit on the nose, like it is a game that is entirely about opening up to other people and how like that makes life worth living basically yeah i was about to ask so so when when you mentioned that the main character has this kind of like holden caulfield energy in a big way it, it, it feels to me or at least the implication to me is that like square enix has lost or has uh learned the wrong lessons from the success of cloud strife you know which is the thing that we <laughs> talked about a lot during our final fantasy 7 remake episodes it's just like right cloud strife is this it has become this blueprint for like the emotionally vapid protagonist you know but like in so doing in that story in particular uh, he ends up kind of becoming elevated because you you find out over the long run or not even over the long run that he's actually just like trying to repress that stuff to seem cool. <laughs> um, totally. And and it seems like a lot of characters that are based off of Cloud Strife forget about that second part and only lean into that first part. And it seems yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that there is kind of a, a more interesting twist to this than just he hates everyone, actually. And he kind of sucks. I mean, it, it feels even more purposeful because like a part of Final Fantasy seven is and I actually think it's a much bigger part in the remake. Like they really focus on that, like Cloud's personal journey of like letting his guard down and showing that he's actually like a caring person. Yeah, and that's like that transformation is why Cloud is so popular. Not because he starts as a shithead. No right. one's like, I like Cloud in the very beginning and never again. Right. That's yeah. not an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Neku is is wandering around and, and uh, he gets attacked by these like frogs. They're the first enemies fight and the way the combat works is at least on the switch version with either the touch controls or the motion controls like if you're using the motion controls like i am there's a cursor that appears on the screen and you move it around like you would with a wiimote um, and what's really neat is that you just press y to recalibrate so if it ever gets off you can just recalibrate it instantly mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool because like you might have to do that a few times but you over the course of the game get access to different pins that are different attacks that are either like this attack is done by tapping on the enemy this attack is done by like holding down either your touch controls or the cursor and just holding a so like the attack i have is he creates like a path of fire as you're dragging it around and there's another attack that i have that's like a slash attack where if you do like a quick motion he'll like slash an enemy away and all those attacks have cooldowns so like you have to kind of be you know conscious of when you're using certain attacks i found that the slash attack is easily the most unresponsive so i just don't use it i just use the tap and the and the hold attacks yeah uh, unresponsive like like the controls don't allow you to do it in a way that is reliable i think so i don't know if i'm just like not understanding something but it feels like when i'm trying to do a quick motion it's not as successfully read as like when i'm tapping or when i'm holding it out mm, yeah. like it's in this weird middle ground where like uh and maybe it's something where i have to be closer to the enemy to do it uh so that might be it but overall like it's pretty responsive and the combat is interesting i can see even playing it on the switch like why this was made for the ds <laughs> but even on the ds i've heard people say like there's just there's 
so much information thrown at you with like how the pins work and how combat works. And it's such an inherently different combat system that it's a lot to take in at once. But what keeps me going is like I've gotten the hang of it overall. And I, I still say like I don't like love the combat, but it's interesting enough. And the battles are always over quick enough that like what I am taken by is is the presentation and the music, which like this game soundtrack is is unreal. Like it is right. It is up there with like the Persona soundtracks and like some of my favorite soundtracks like in a game. Oh, and man. I think something that this soundtrack does that that I, I think the most successful game soundtracks do is it illustrates and this sounds like a, a, a no brainer, but like in place of the of Neku saying how he feels, I think a lot of the songs kind of emulate like what's going through his head at a certain time and there's this sort of like you know a lot of the songs like very upbeat and very catchy but there are a lot of ones that are like very like kind of oddly solemn as you're exploring the world map and like something that Neku does where he has his headphones on all the time he can scan uh the area and see people who are still alive their thoughts so like you can you know they're like little vignettes you can like witness so oh, cool He's in this weird place where, like, he himself is actively trying to close himself off to everyone, but, like, he can't help but intake everything. Yeah. And kind of be this, like, observer. And you partner up with this with this uh, teenage girl early on, uh, Shiki, I believe. And, like, like, in the rules of the game, like, you need a partner to get out. And, like, it's heavily suggested that, like, it's better to work as a team because multiple people can win. So it's not like mm. Battle Royale where, like, only one is getting out. Like, there are people that can win together, but, you know... So that's also kind of like why the main character initially is like slowly easing his guard down. And I'm at a point now where he's like at the like being nice, but then mean right after phase of opening up. (laughs) So yeah, uh, it's, it's really fun. I mean, I I think like the stars of the experience for me is, is just the production value. Like the art style and the music is so infectious and so like, so good that it makes like a battle system that I don't fully understand or like enjoy, to be honest, like enjoyable because I'm just like present in this moment moment i want to see what's next yeah um i know that this series is being turned into an anime soon and i actually wonder if that's like a better avenue for this story mm. because like it's definitely benefiting from being a game because i think like it's doing things that are interesting mechanically and i can only imagine playing this on the ds in 2007 like this story is is tackling a theme at least that is not present in most handheld games at right. that time yeah you know so like i also think you know it's made by a lot of the same people who worked on final fantasy and and kingdom hearts especially it was i think a very similar team that did chain of memories and it's just cool to see a different ip and it's also cool to see a story that even though it has these high stakes of being erased it is a very personal story like it feels more about the characters and about them opening up than like oh we have to save all the crystals from getting stolen by the emperor you know right right, right, yeah um i love that shit don't get me wrong but I, i think it's nice to see like a jrpg that has like uh its entire focus on like the characters and how they change as people yeah that's usually what you're there for but not what the story is about but this game seems to be entirely focused on that which i think is really cool so yeah i would recommend it i mean i think like in retrospect i maybe uh would have preferred getting it on the on the 3ds since i could play ds games on it i might even do that just to see like if it plays significantly better but it works fine on the switch you know and it was on sale so like i would definitely recommend checking it out if you're a fan of you know kingdom hearts era um it's weird because like it, it it shares a lot aesthetically with kingdom hearts like with the fashion and with like the 
the character design, but it seems like a much more, uh, the story is, is I, I guess it's like <laughs> Kingdom Hearts has so much to do with like, you know, incorporating the Disney worlds and like making sense of all that, that like it, it's going to inherently be busy. Um, yeah. And this game, like, does get a lot of, like, wrapped up in the rules of the game. And there are these characters that are the Reapers. And they're also playing and they want to erase people. So there's there's a silliness like that. But I... It feels like I think you and I talked about like how anime like Fully Cooly and Evangelion are are largely metaphorical stories where like there are these big fantastic things happening, but it's really just about like going through a rough period in your life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's about I mean both of the shows are about like these these young people trying to figure out how they exist within this world, like who they are. What is their relationship with other people? Why does that relationship happen? And that's something that I think everyone goes through a version of, which is why I think this game is such a strong following. Like, I myself, like, I'm extremely extroverted and I come off as, like, a very, like carefree goofy person but like at that age man like i i convinced myself that like people only cared about me for superficial reasons and i actively pushed people away from me because i didn't understand like that someone could just love you you know Mm. and like that's what's happening in this game and that's like even though the dialogue is a little cheesy like it is resonating with me and i think like i can only imagine as the story progresses that that's going to have a larger impact um, especially because there's like this idea that they're fighting for a second chance at life. Like the, the sad thing already happened. So it's like, right. The irony of figuring out how to be a person and how to love other people when your life is already over. Um, yeah. so yeah, really but, cool. I, I think that that stuff is all working for me. The tapping is fine, but like, it's, <laughs> I can't stress enough. The, the, my two favorite songs are Twister and Hybrid. Those songs are so fucking good. I love, like, uh, so good. I love yeah. it. Th- this is a game that has had a huge following for such a long time, like pretty much since it was released. And, and you constantly see it referenced pretty much in like every discussion about JRPGs, especially on Nintendo systems ever since it was released. I, I have all always i think uh had it as like a like a put it on the back burner i'll check it out eventually kind of game but the more time that has passed since its release the more i've wanted to play it and honestly the idea of playing it with motion controls like with music that good being able to play it on my tv with my sound system using motion controls like sounds honestly like maybe a pretty fun time yeah Yeah. it is and and i've always i've always just been so curious uh, uh, about how it plays and what it's about just because because i know it really does resonate with so many people and i imagine and there's a thing that i feel like is slowly becoming like a theme of our last few episodes but i imagine as with most like long-term rpgs or jrpgs in general those connections to the characters like if it's already resonating with you at this point kind of early on i I can only imagine that you're going to double and triple and quadruple down on those feelings over time right so like it's 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 now no wonder to me why I'm why I'm seeing this game referenced so often, right? Because like if, if they're able to stick th- those feelings into the heart of the player that early, which felt like a very Kingdom Hearts thing to say out loud. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then I, I imagine by the time you're done with it, it's only going to compound um, and, and become an even greater feeling. So, yeah, I, I am. I'm very interested in checking this out. Uh, it, this, yeah. this sounds really kind of more up my alley than I was thinking it would be. It, it's just like a it's a cool thing to see a team that is so attached to like these major 
franchises that they just do something like this is is clearly a passion project you know that's like not tied to any bigger name um i think it did well like i think people liked it when it came out but yeah it's um it's a really special game i i I think i'll probably only love it more and more as i go further into it it's also very funny because you know it came out in 2007 so like cell phones are a big deal in the game but they're all like flip phones with antennas which i think is so like yeah borderline steampunk at this point you know like in terms of how but it came out in 2007 cool. you just said yeah yeah so that that's the year the iphone was announced oh wow yeah i mean i i've always been behind with phones until recently <laughs> uh but i had like there's a picture of me when i'm like 16 with like <laughs> like a 1980s like giant antenna phone talking to my dad it's great um but yeah uh world ends with you and i think that's a great point actually in, in terms of like do you get this on ds or switch I think there's a huge argument to be made for having that sound system, like you said, to hear the soundtrack. And, like, it's fun. Like, the, the battle is fun. It, it definitely doesn't, like, it, it, it sometimes bump up against it. The, I fought the first, like, big boss, and that fight is almost entirely in the dark. And I'm like, you know, for, to make a game that's all about tapping, to set the first boss completely in the dark seems like not a great idea. <laughs> but it was still a blast. And, like... Um, it's a tricky game. I, I think uh, there's also a lot of customization of like what moves you have. And what's cool, um, I think in the DS version, you're controlling multiple characters at once. In the Switch one, you're just Neku and your partner is uh, basically a pin. So like Shiki is also t- uh, tapping mechanics. So like I have a lightning attack when I tap and she attacks when I tap. She throws like a stuffed kitten that she made that kind of looks like a pig because she messed it up. Mm-hmm. And they like, both attack at the same time. And the more you do one of your partner's attacks, your sync level goes up. Talk about Evangelion. Uh, Your sync level goes higher, and then you can do, like, a big special move together, which is, like, all about matching things really quickly. I actually weirdly enjoy that. Like, it's kind of a strange mechanic to, like, make the super attack, because it's basically just, like, suddenly playing a 51 Worldwide Classics in the middle (laughs) of the world ends with you. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's great. I think I think you especially would really like it because I think we both are big Persona fans. Like we like that sort of like games that really prioritize like what the passive moments are like, like not just the battles and the cutscenes, but like what does it feel like to go to the store to talk to your friends and like giving that equal weight to the boss fights, I think really pays off in a game like this. Yeah, that's a world end with you. It's available on multiple platforms. Um, yeah. I am interested in how it plays on mobile, honestly. Like, if you can get it on yeah, iOS and Android, cool. I imagine that'd probably be fine, right? That would also fit, like, because they're always on their phones in the game, so that would kind of make sense in a, in a meta way. Yeah, I meant uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, check it out. I'll look, at, I'll look into it. Yeah, I, I think I'll look into it, too. I, I definitely want to pick it up now, but I just don't know what platform. Also, I have so many games I'm playing at the moment, so probably going to have to wait on it for a little bit, but it definitely sounds really great. Yeah. Cool. I'll at least send you the soundtrack, and you can enjoy that. And that will slowly yeah. influence your decision. There you go. Perfect. Like a brain worm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you want to take a break? Yeah. Cool. Me too. I also want to take a break. Let's do that. And then come back okay. and talk Goodbye. about more video games. See you in hell. <laughs> uh, Steven. Hello. I want to talk about some more. <laughs> why, why is that the intro? Get out of here. Shoo. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about some stuff. I, I had a weird, I had a weird, <laughs> so I really liked the way you said hi. That was great. <laughs> Steven. Hello. <laughs> um, I had a weird like inkling yesterday for some reason, like yesterday morning I woke up and I was just like, there are a lot of free to play games on the switch. 
and I yeah. haven't played most of them. I've obviously played Fortnite a bunch. I've actually played a lot of Fortnite over the past couple of days. Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I actually also have played Fortnite weirdly more than I ever had before. So something's yeah. going on. It, it Honestly, a lot of people have like not we, we talked about it a little bit last week, but like unprompted, a couple of people have reached out to me asking me if I play Fortnite recently. Like very interesting. I don't know what it is that's like entering the zeitgeist again or why that's entering the zeitgeist, because like, I at first I was like, OK, a lot of people are stuck at home. Like maybe that's why it's like they're just looking for something to play yeah. and it's free and like everybody can get it. So it's like easy enough to do. But like that would have happened months ago and not now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. It's also, I think, the uh, this new update is really cool. Like, that's what brought me yeah. in. Like, I love the, like, Waterworld kind of vibe. Um, you know, I love the film Waterworld. Uh, <laughs> it does have big, big Waterworld energy, though. You're right. Like, it does. It, it's kind of like a Mad Max meets, like, Summer Beach Party thing. Yeah, and I also, um, I think that's it. It definitely has a big summer energy, which I think everyone's craving, you know, to at least yeah. experience virtually. It's also like, and I can't believe I'm saying this. It's a, it's a really fun game. It's just a it good is. time. It's good. <laughs> it's gone around the whole other way where it's like, like you said, like there are games that get so big that they get all this like hate because like, you know, anything, anything that blows up that big is going to have people dragging it down. Yeah. Um, and often like, you know, I mean, there's plenty to critique about Fortnite, but I, I think it's like you play like, yeah, I could see why this is so popular. It's a good time. You know, it's yeah, fun. I, anyway. I just watched this um, really great video essay from Aaron Signal, uh, Chris Franklin on, on Twitter, which I, I guess I'll link in the show notes because it's just like so great. But he kind of talked a bunch about Fortnite via comparing to like critical takes that he had read and seen. There's another video essay that he's referencing and then like a pretty long like critical essay about Fortnite and, and just kind of like referencing the two of them. Uh, a lot of it was about the like predatory microtransaction side of the game and yeah, like yeah. how as fun as the thing is, like there are some cases to be made that the entire thing is just like a means to an item shop and like that's really the end, right? Like right, there's like right. The, the amount of gameplay that has been created is really just like uh, a, a way to express yourself. But the only way you can express yourself really within game is by paying money, which like is kind of problematic, especially when you get into like the um, like party mode royale thing that they're doing where it's like, OK, you can drop down onto this island and there's no guns and you can't kill each other. But like there will be a Diplo concert or something. But like during the Diplo concert, like he is saying probably contractually obligated to say, but like he is saying out loud in the microphone, like do your favorite emote right now and if you don't have any money and you're playing free to play like that is literally a call to action to go and buy a thing which like you're, you're gonna get this sense of fomo which when you're talking about like the age range of people who are playing this game generally it's right. mostly kids and like that's where it gets a little like dicey oh totally yeah that, that's kind of what i was alluding to earlier with like yeah that's why like we're not every episode being like we love fortnite like there's a lot to really yeah rightfully criticize the game for yeah but, like, but there are a lot like, of people who are on the internet that are just like you know popular thing bad like that's like the right, extent of right. the take but right. anyway the the thing that that you know so that that was that was uh Aaron Signal in reference to a lot of other critical pieces, but his own take on it, which I thought was really interesting, um, is this idea, I, or maybe, maybe it was a reference, it doesn't matter. Uh, he says in the essay at some point, he, he says, um, the game isn't about the one winner, it's about the 99 losers. Like, the, like the game has been created to be fun for the 99 people who lose. Like, winning actually, and, and this is, I swear to God, not a, not a brag, not even a humble brag, but like, at least on Switch, I'm terrible on PS4, but on Switch, like, maybe it's just the like, age range of people playing. Like, maybe I'm just like, 
like completely destroying seven year olds. But like I'm, <laughs> I do find myself winning a lot on the Switch version in particular. And and take it from me, winning does not get you a lot of experience on your battle pass. Like it's not really worth it to win. Honestly, what's more worth it is to go and do all the like weird side challenges, like to go to the specific point on the map and like jump in a whirlpool and like get a bunch of experience for that. That's really what it's more about, which is kind of interesting. Is like all of these people, and and this is where I think his his video is really really like I don't know it really hit home for me is like all of these people are dropping down onto the island and only some of them are there to win like only some of them actually want to play Fortnite there there is a large percentage of the of the populace that's landing on that island with completely different objectives beyond be number one which is kind of really interesting like they're they've added NPCs to the game they've added like there there are more I think there's more than one area on the map right now where you can like drop down and there are like uh like bases that are guarded by NPCs and if you like take out the NPCs yeah. in like a stealthy way you get like keys that, like you into vaults which are like you know kind of like a completely different video game than Fortnite but like in any match that you drop into, there are people who are trying to do those things, which I think is really compelling. And that's, I think, what makes the game so sticky, at least for me, is like th- this constant grind to be doing things that are not just win the game, uh, which, which is kind of cool. You know, I, I think that's totally. that's a really compelling thing. Um, but anyway, I don't remember why we started talking about Fortnite, but uh, it is free. It's a free to play game. And, and, and in playing a lot of Fortnite recently, I was thinking to myself, like, there are a lot of other free to play games on the Switch. Um, so I just like went and looked them up and started downloading a bunch of them, which coincided weirdly enough with uh, Sue on our Discord who uh, posted about a game called Island Saver, which was not on any of the lists that I had seen, but I downloaded that one as well by Nat West, which I can't wait to tell you about. But I downloaded a bunch of free-to-play games. I just kind of wanted to like talk about the state of free-to-play on Switch because I, I imagine it's going to be more and more prevalent over time, um, especially if we are like if we are continuing to be locked down. I, I imagine the idea of like downloading a game that is free and playing it on your Switch with a bunch of other people is going to become like more and more compelling. It's like a like cynically as a business opportunity for a lot of companies right to like get that Fortnite level success or at least attempt to try and get that Fortnite level success so i just want to talk about a couple of them i played a lot of them but i'm just going to talk about a couple of them that i think are really at least like worth checking out the the first one being asphalt 9 uh which is the ninth asphalt game which like maybe some of you who are like big iphone people have seen but that was like a big racing game that was released on the on on iphone like a long time ago just kind of as like a look at how good the graphics can be on an iphone was kind of the idea initially and they're now on the ninth iteration of it It is available for all mobile platforms but also the switch i have to say i thought it was going to be kind of like a gran turismo situation where it's like okay we're just like trying to make a racing game and like try and make it as like realistic as possible but they super are not doing that which i had no idea it it plays so much like a burnout game i was kind of surprised like for those of you who are looking for a burnout game i mean burnout paradise is available on switch now but if you're looking for a burnout game on switch like maybe check out asphalt 9 i have to say like all the all the free-to-play nonsense is like really really bad like the ui is like almost unusable but when you're actually in a race and actually playing the game it is really fun there's a button that lets you spin your car in 360 60 degrees to just like wipe out other other drivers on the track it is extremely goofy it is an extremely goofy thing there are like ramps that let you do flips and like tricks and shit on it like really stupid game um in a good way i just want to make that very clear it's in a good way um so that's asphalt 9 it's free all these games are free um the next one i want to talk about very briefly is brawlhalla do you know about brawlhalla 
Oh, yeah, vaguely. Tell me more. So there were, there were two like Super Smash Brothers alike games that were being uh, developed around the same time. One was Brawlhalla and the other one was weirdly enough called Rivals of Aether. I think it's is the name. Um, <laughs> I do know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think that one is a paid game. But Brawlhalla is a free to play version of that, essentially, um, which is very much just like Super Smash Brothers, essentially, uh, with a bunch of like, you know, uh, characters that were just made for this game uh, it's it's free to play it has like a battle pass and all that kind of stuff so like whatever the thing that i was most surprised by with this game though is that they have a bunch of third-party characters that they've added to this thing which it seems kind of like fortnite or like timed events where you can like buy them as characters um yeah. but those characters are like finn jake and princess bubblegum from adventure time john cena and the rock and the undertaker <laughs> and xavier woods um they also have uh all of the characters or all the crystal gems from steven universe which is really bizarre uh shovel knight black knight and and king knight and i think um i want to say plague knight are also in there as well a really bizarre thing. I, I didn't play too much of this, honestly. I found it to be really difficult to get a hang of. Um, the game seems to be, like, pretty focused on not items. They don't have items in the Super Smash Brothers sense, but they have, like, these swords that drop onto the ground. And when you pick up the sword, it allows you to use, like, whatever character you pick. They have a specific weapon. So, like, if, if you get that drop, if you get that item drop, you get to use your weapon, which, you know, just allows you to do more shit, I guess. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting time. I, I had a really hard time with it, and I, I'm absolutely positive that I dropped in to a match with, like, a bunch of really high-level players immediately, because I imagine if you're playing that game a lot, you probably get good at it. But if that sounds interesting to you, like, you can absolutely go do that, uh, and it's probably worth doing. Um, Cesspro Hala, also free. Cool thing on the Switch. Um, next one I want to talk about is called Island Saver, which is the one that Sue brought up in the Discord. This is by Nat West, which is a bank there's a bank that made a free-to-play game for the Switch, which, like, I downloaded it not knowing that initially, and then it became increasingly obvious as I started playing. So this this game, essentially, um, you are in control of a... I think it's a robot or something uh, who has landed on a tropical island that is, like, extremely polluted. And the whole idea... It's like an environmental game, or it's an environmental, like focused game where you have to go around and you have to suck up a bunch of like the plastic trash around an island and then there's a bunch of like just like trashy goop all over like the 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 plant life there so you have to suck up a bunch of water from the ocean and then use that to like kind of like super mario sunshine spray off all the plants and stuff and when you spray off the plants it it uh brings the wildlife back and the wildlife are all like I'll explain in a second, but but they're kind of like grayed out. And by uh, clearing out the plants, you can get the fruit from those plants that you're then feeding to the wildlife. And, and that brings them back to life. And when you bring them back to life, they all turn into piggy banks and then explode <laughs> with money. <laughs> and then you have to take the money and you have to deposit it into a bank account that you have to create with like what? a pin number. They like they make you like create a pin number for your fake bank account in this in this game um which is all an ad for this bank and the whole conceit of the game is you have to go around you have to go around and like clean up this island you have to be like environmentally conscious to try and and clean this island up and then make your bank account as big as possible i think um i I hate that the the name island saver i finally recognize the double meaning of that yeah right you know now that it's a bank commercial Oh my, I wasn't ready for that twist because I was like, what is the, what, <laughs> the, 
The piggy banks. So, okay, so they're trying to advertise their bank or just like the idea of a bank? It's there. I think they're trying to advertise their bank in particular. But what's interesting is this the, the bank isn't like U.S. based. Like I couldn't I couldn't use this mm. bank. So why is this game available in the U.S. eShop? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Or is it just a situation where it's like, well, if we're releasing it, we might as well release it everywhere. Does that bank have like an environmentalist message like in real life? Or I have no really? idea. I didn't do enough research to find that out. I just started playing this and then it all clicked in my head. I was like, oh, wait, this fake bank in the game is not a fake bank and is actually a real bank. And then I went on the Discord and I found a bunch of people talking about it and they, they talked about how it is a real bank. Weird game. Weird game. I played it like <laughs> for way longer than I thought I was going to. I played it for like, I want to say like 30 to 45 minutes this morning and had like an okay time, but it was mostly just like a, like a curiosity situation. It was like walking through like, like a Halloween haunted house that somebody set up that like wasn't scary at all. And you just kind of are walking through because you're like admiring how well put together it was, even if it wasn't scary. It's just like, oh, wow. Yeah, you did a really good job with like the cobwebs up here. Like that's that's really cool. Nice. Um, that that is the that is the mentality that I had walking through this thing was like, oh, OK, I mean, it's well it's well put together. But like, is it fun? Not really. It was more just like a curiosity. <laughs> So that's how do you hey uh, <laughs> how do you like our this is the bank representative on the phone how do you like our new game I would compare it to a haunted house <laughs> that isn't scary <laughs> that isn't scary <laughs> it just sort of has that weird faded rubber smell and like <laughs> steam goes off there were actually in our hometown there were these two houses that would go like, do you remember those two houses do, yeah. that would go all out on Halloween yeah and like one was that like one wasn't scary they would have like a big bat and like smoke and like that was it yeah they just and had a lot of lights that was, was the thing. Like, they just had like a ton of lights and that's why it was always so compelling yeah it <laughs> had like a lot of colors uh the other house had like just like, like a mutilated werewolf like on a beach chair like with his guts spilling out it was yeah horrific yeah and you always had to go I check just, it out I, yeah I have a distinct memory of those two houses every Halloween. Yeah. I never knew who lived there, nor should I. But uh, like, you I know. did. I, I lived right around the corner from there, so I did was. You? Like, oh yeah, man. I always doing the show with you. I forget that we not only went to high school together, but also grew up in the same town. Yeah, wild. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, I lived right by there. Anyway, uh, next video game. I lived by the nursery where they sold the Christmas trees. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you did. And anyway, mulch, we can't get into mulch for my tortoise. This isn't fun to listen to. <laughs> Next how would you, how would you describe game. it to the Aether? It is a haunted house. That isn't scary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. Uh, have you heard of Paladins? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I don't know why that made me laugh. Um, like, I want to say yes, because I feel like that's such a video game name, but I, I don't true. know what yeah, it is. It is a very video yeah. game name. I mean, wait until the next one, because, oh boy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, okay, Paladins. <laughs> the Paladins are like, we have all these coins. I don't want to carry these coins with me. Where do I put these coins? <laughs> I oh, look, a TD bank. bank. Like... <laughs> okay, so so Paladins was kind of a big release on the Switch, specifically because I, I remember hearing about it when it came out. But the whole conceit was that it's Overwatch, but it's not, and it's free. So like, right? That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay, so this gotcha. was like before Overwatch was released on the Switch. Everybody was like, "Oh, just go play Paladins because it's like pretty good." So I downloaded it now in 2020 after Overwatch has been released on the Switch, which is like maybe the weirdest time to play it. It is honestly a pretty competent like hero based 
shooter that is free and on the Nintendo Switch. I was really surprised by it. The thing about it that I that I think is like kind of a bummer, but like is also the way all these games work. I mean, it's Apex Legends and it's also Overwatch to a certain extent. Or is it Overwatch? I'm not really sure. But you have to pay for the, the extra like heroes, essentially, if you want to play as them, which like is the way most of those games work at this point. Um, not Overwatch. You don't have to pay. All the new heroes are added without paying. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's but you good. have to pay for like skins and stuff. Right, so. right, right. Um, yeah. In Paladins, you do have to pay for the heroes. I guess that's kind of the thing where it's like Overwatch, you pay for the game, but you don't have to pay for the characters. And Paladins, you're not paying for the game, so you have to pay for the characters. Um, I, yeah. I think it's like 20 bucks to unlock all of them. And then you get all of the ones that they add from that point on also. That's good. Which is like kind of fine, if I'm being honest. The big thing about this game, honestly, that actually might get me to go back and play it is that there are three game modes in there. One of them is just straight up Overwatch. Like it is absolutely just like push the payload and eventually get it to the end. But they have two other modes. And one of them is is like an objective based one where you just like go in and you have to just like control a point essentially. And it's just like whoever gets the most points at the end wins. Um, but the other mode that I actually find the most compelling and kind of wish I could play in Overwatch is just team deathmatch. It's just like give me all of these characters, all these like wild abilities and just let me do like classic, like quake ass team deathmatch, um, which, <laughs> which like is really fun. I played it a bunch this morning. I had like a really good time with it. Um, I only have like 10 of the heroes. and I think there's like 30 or 35 that are in the game. Um, and apparently just from like a cursory search online, you can go and just like play that game a bunch and then eventually get enough of the in-game currency to unlock characters kind of like willy nilly. So like you don't really have to pay for them all. That's more of just like if you would like to get them all immediately, you can do that. But in terms of like free to play games, if you want to play Overwatch, but like don't really feel like spending the money to get it on another system, if you already have it elsewhere, like Paladins is maybe not a bad thing to check out and and like truly it might not be a bad thing to check out anyway like regardless of how you feel about overwatch because like it is a compelling game that is well put together and is like actually kind of fun that's so, awesome yeah i i would i would actually recommend playing it and i wouldn't be surprised if i played it more and like came back and talked about it more on the show and that saves what i think is the best for last which is like one of the wildest things okay this game i downloaded completely as a joke because the name is so fucking bad that I was like, I gotta see what this is all about. <laughs> the game is called Warface. Oh no. It is a military first person shooter, like like kind of like Call of Duty, I, I think is the way they're trying to frame this thing. Um, which like it's worth noting there aren't a lot of first person shooters that are available on the Nintendo Switch. I honestly can't think of too many. Paladins is technically one of them, um, but I can't think of too many that are available, especially none that are free. Like we talked about this a while ago when Call of Duty Mobile came out. Like it's wild that that still hasn't been ported to the Switch, um, especially considering the Switch is like kind of based on like a fork of Android uh, and Call of Duty Mobile runs on Android. So like, why wouldn't you just move that over to Nintendo Switch? Seems like an obvious move, but they haven't done it yet. So <laughs> instead you have Warface. Which is <laughs> which is a first person shooter, military style, kind of like a Call of Duty um, that I loaded into kind of as a goof, expecting it to be really bad. I went through the tutorial. I was like, this feels like shit. It has like mo it has gyro controls, which I think a lot of people are into kind of like the Splatoon uh, yeah. like aiming controls. Um, I turn those off because I'm not a huge fan of them personally. And I know that that's like maybe a weirdly hot take, but I don't really like using them. Um, I turn them off, but it does have them. Uh, I went through the tutorial. I was like, this sucks. And then I loaded into a match of multiplayer, which is just team deathmatch. Um, they have a bunch of modes. They have a battle royale mode in there. There's like a bunch of stuff, whatever. I loaded into team deathmatch and Steven, it's really good. 
I am oh, no. so upset at how much I loved Warface. <laughs> I had the best time. Because here's the thing. The whole thing is billed as a Call of Duty alike for Switch, but is free to play. It plays so much like Halo 2. It even looks like Halo 2. So it's running the Crisis engine, which is wild. It's running CryEngine. I can't believe it. They, they also just announced recently that Crisis is coming to Nintendo Switch. Crisis Remastered. Wild. But anyway, uh, this game feels a lot like Halo 2. And, and it is so bizarre in that it looks in most of the maps exactly like a Call of Duty. Like it has the like kind of military shooter, like bombed out map situation you know it's just like you're in a rant like you're in a uh like a trailer park that looks like it was hit with like a like an airstrike at one point and like you're crawling through uh like under fences and through like sheet metal and stuff like that like it has that kind of call of duty vibe to it but the way it plays and looks is so halo that i couldn't help but play a shitload of it this morning like it was honestly (laughs) the game that i played the most i expected to play one map and be like done this is awful but it's so inconsistent visually. There's a there's another map that I loaded into that was just like I don't know. It looked it looked like a Halo 2 like kind of Zanzibar vibe. It had like um it had like a, a monorail that went through uh, and every once in a while like the monorail would just like fly through and like it would just like wipe people out if they were jumping across the monorail track at the time, which was really great. Or alternatively, it would park there and then all the doors would open up, which would allow people to filter in and out from like the left and right sides of the map, which is you know where the two teams were spawning so it created this like really interesting choke point where you had to go through the monorail to be able to get from one side of the map to the other uh which was a very terrifying proposition it's good it's like a competently made first person shooter for the nintendo switch uh in a way that i absolutely wasn't expecting at all so wow warface Warface. uh, here's the thing though it is (laughs) eight gigabytes which is a huge download for that system uh like i think the switch itself like has 25 to 30 gigs of space on it when you download it so like if you don't have an sd card or anything like that's a lot of space to take up i have a huge sd card in mine so i didn't really mind checking it out um but like when talking about these games talking about asphalt like i'm probably going to delete that as soon as we're done recording this episode <laughs> island saver probably gonna delete that brawlhalla honestly like i have super smash brothers already probably gonna delete that um i have a, a couple other games i downloaded that like honestly weren't even worth talking about and will probably also delete but i think paladins will stay on my switch and warface might also stay on my switch <laughs> i just i want to plant the seed uh, i want to warn you that if warface is your game of the year i may not do the show anymore <laughs> um i'm kidding uh, no, that's cool. I mean, I think like it's it's such a nice feeling to go in like not only neutral but like expecting it to be bad. Like that actually ruled somehow. Yeah. War, like I used to do. I think I mentioned this before, but like when I was like twelve or thirteen, back when like video rental was a thing that existed, mm-hmm. my friend Johnny and I would go and we would rent three movies. Uh, and I still kind of do this system with, with comic books, really enough, but we would get something that we, like, wanted to see that we heard was good, and then we would get, like, two things that we had no idea what they were. Yeah. And, like, that was always just a fun experience. Even if it was bad, it was just fun to go in, like... Because I think so much, too, through the video games, like, with, with you know, first-party AAA stuff, like, there are these, like, years of hype, and, like, inherently, like, even if you're not actively following a game, just by osmosis, there's so much leading up to it that you have some type of preconceived notion of what it's going to be or you want it to be. 
think there's so much power in just like going in with as blank of a slate as possible. Yeah. Um, I think that is the ideal way to experience something. You, you and I try and do that on this show a bunch, right? It's just like come to the table with games that we just like checked out on a whim. Yeah. Because I, I do think that's a fun way to experience media is like to remove yourself from the hype machine. I just, I saw a tweet and I, I don't remember the exact tweet and I don't remember who posted it. So I'm sorry in advance, I guess. Um, but I saw a tweet yesterday that was something along the lines of like, why does why does every game announcement need to be a surprise party? Like we don't we don't need that experience <laughs> for every single video game. Um, I think it was in in reference to the Switch uh, <laughs> like Treehouse stream that happened yesterday that was about oh, Paper yeah. Mario, where they also announced that WayForward was going to be announcing a game during that stream after the Paper Mario event. And I don't know, a lot of people, I think, got really hyped up about something. You know, Nintendo had to eventually be like, you know, before before the stream actually happened, they had to send out a tweet that was like, it is not a first party Nintendo game that we are like giving them the reins to like it is a completely third party thing. We just wanted to announce their thing. And and a lot of people, given way forwards like track record and making like pretty interesting platformers, I think were ex- excited about whatever it was going to be. Uh, and it ended up being a Bakugan game, which like very confusing, uh, just kind of like a weird way to announce that game. Like, why was it attached to this Paper Mario stream? It would just seemed bizarre. Um, but like, why, why did that need to happen that way? You know, like, why couldn't that have just been like a tweet from the way forward account or a tweet from the Nintendo account? Like, why did that need to be a thing that was like hyped for three days before the actual stream happened? So you would get a bunch of like extremely toxic people in chat, like shitting all over this thing because they wanted it to be for them. And then it wasn't, you know, which is like a thing that I think we see a lot with a lot of games where like everybody expects every game to be for them. Right. Which honestly gets back to our Fortnite conversation, which is like Fortnite maybe isn't for you but that doesn't mean you have to shit on it because it's the biggest game of all time at the moment and like that means it's for a lot of people you know and 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 totally. getting angry because it's not for you is kind of like a shitty thing to do but also like weirdly enough nintendo kind of put themselves in that position like they yeah. they could have alleviated that by just like announcing it on their twitter account separate from this giant paper mario stream I mean, I usually like how Nintendo will, we've often said how they'll announce stuff like when it's going to come out. Like, yes. they'll never like a, drop a game like more than six months prior to its release, which I think is like the way to go. Yeah. The thing is, like, they have enough first party stuff that like we all know, like, there's kind of inherently hype with like, oh, what's the next Metroid going to be? Like, what's the next Zelda going to be or whatever? Right. When, like, it's, when it's been a long enough time between releases and a certain IP, you start to be able to guess what's coming next. But I think it pays off that they're just like Pokemon Snap is coming out in like September, I think. Or is there not a date for that? I don't remember, but I mean, there is another Either Pokemon way, Snap coming. Like, yeah. yeah, they they drop stuff pretty soon to when it's going to come out. And yeah, I, I think too, like with the whole like not for you conversation, like we, we have to say that a lot, especially what, as much as we cover Pokemon, we unfortunately have to cover a lot of like the really toxic part of fandom, like wanting specific things from Pokemon and not getting them. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, yeah, not everything is for you. And second of all, like there's a way to be personally disappointed without calling for something to not exist. Right. You can, (laughs) you can be personally like you have the right to feel disappointed or not like something and not call for it to be like (laughs) removed from existence. Like a world ends with you game, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Absolutely. It just, it just kind of bizarre. I know that doesn't speak to most people, but like that's, those are the voices we see online in in the replies for anything Nintendo does. Um, Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're an extremely like vocal part of the internet, right? Like regardless of how, big or small that group is like they are at least very loud right i mean it's a it's a thing we're seeing a lot with last of us part two like 
at the end of the day, it seems like that game isn't for a lot of people, right? Like a lot of people aren't getting what they wanted out of it. So like, sorry, that doesn't mean that you have to sign a petition and get another million people to sign it that says like, we want Naughty Dog to remove this game from the PlayStation Store and make a new one. Like that's, yeah, that's not I mean, how I, you, that's not, that's not how this works. You like not to get too into it because I <laughs> accidentally brought up Last of Us earlier this episode, but like you and I both love the game and we both also recognize there were like a lot of things we didn't like. And, but overall, like I think we both were really moved by it by the end of it. And like that's, that was our experience. There are a lot of people that I really admire that didn't like the game and, and for extremely valid reasons. Um, I think it's it's cool personally to see a game that big generate actual thoughtful discussion you know not yeah, counting the like I agree. review bomb shit like we're in a time where like even if you hated both games the fact that for the last two years the big end of the year or not end of the year but the big like first party sony game has been last of us part two and death stranding which like right. even if i like i love both of those games but even if i hated them i'm glad we're getting stuff that generates conversations like that you know uh that are thoughtful because, like, I'd rather have challenging media in that spotlight than, like, the same bland. Like, you know, I'd rather ha- not have that than, like, Warface from PS4. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and obviously, I think, like, it's unfortunate that anything that big, I think, kind of attracts the attention of trolls and people who, like, just want attention by saying the most hateful shit possible. Um, right. So, you know, that's fucked. But <laughs> yeah, um, I think that it's cool that like we're in we're in a we're in a point in, in game history that like the big events are like a man chugging monster energy with a baby across like a whale infested uh, Iceland and like The Last of Us Part Two. It's like <laughs> they're interesting. You can talk about them and maybe you don't like them, but that's like it's cool to talk about why yeah you know, whether you liked it or not yeah i've been filling know. a lot of my podcast listening time recently just like listening to a lot of the spoiler casts and stuff um about the last of us part two for you know podcasts that i enjoy and honestly overwhelmingly most podcasts that i've listened to have been wildly negative you know and yeah. and, and that doesn't mean that like i'm gonna stop listening to those podcasts or i'm not, i'm not gonna like follow those reviewers anymore you know or, or those voices because like i still think they're compelling and interesting points and are worth listening to and like worth asking yourself the question like okay um like does this reframe how i think about the thing yes or no and like in some instances the answer has been yes like in some instances yeah. I, i've i've read some follow-ups or i've i've listened to some uh some reviews or or some conversations that it made me rethink certain aspects of that game does that mean that i i don't like it and i i want to take back everything i said in our very very long spoiler episode like absolutely not i I still stand by a lot of what i said but that doesn't mean that like your opinions can't be challenged and i I think that's definitely a i don't know how we started talking about this but like I, i do think that's a compelling thought right that that it's interesting to be able to have those kinds of conversations about games and like even i mean even the besties who just gave us a shout out like their last of us episodes they they did a two-parter about the last of us part two and they were like overwhelmingly negative about the thing and i agree with a lot of those points i mean my my own notes that i took while playing that game are overwhelmingly negative to a certain degree but at the end of the day the actual final uh like nugget of an opinion in my head was really positive like i really walked away from that game thinking that it was it was uh wildly compelling and and really really interesting and had some interesting things to say and i understand where people who disagree with that point came from but that wasn't my personal experience and i think that's what a lot of people on the internet are starting to like kind of uh disconnect from right is like 
other people can have very different personal experiences with a thing and and have different subjective takes on a thing. There is no objective take on The Last of Us Part <laughs> yeah. Two, you know, right? Or any game. I not just to focus on that one. Totally, but I think that's something that like is it's inherently a very challenging piece of media, and it's also like one of the biggest releases ever. It's going to have a lot of discussion about it. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about how before before we started recording this part of the segment, I was on the Internet looking at uh, discussions about Warface because I was curious <laughs> what the rest of the Internet had to say about it. And everyone hates it. Everyone I found <laughs> hates Warface. And I, I just had a fucking blast playing it for like 45 minutes to an hour this morning. It just it just sounds like a Motorhead song. Like, <laughs> you know, like I can hear like, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, man, was this the break? Uh, Steven, let's move on to uh, the last Switch game I'd like to talk about today. Not a free-to-play video game. Not Warface Part 2 bonus episode. (laughs) Oh, don't put that idea in my head. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, That that break segment ended up being a whole regular segment, uh, which is fun. I love when that happens. That's a good time. (laughs) Yeah, we covered a lot. Kind of ethereal. I think I think this one's going to be a quicker one, honestly, but I, I do want to bring it up because uh, I it Please. came out this week on Switch and then I played the whole thing uh, and then I almost uh, finished a full speed run of it uh, almost immediately after, which was interesting. Uh, it's a oh, game wow. called Super Liminal. <laughs> I didn't mean to just send you a heart. It is the, emo- <laughs> the my, emoji uh, Just menu. for context for the listener, my whole screen <laughs> turned blue and a giant heart showed up <laughs> because Steven pressed the heart button. I didn't. Well, I love you, but I didn't mean to do that. I just the whole menu wouldn't go away, and I just clicked on it to make it go away. And I sent you a heart. Wow, I'm turning into like my grandfather. Anyway, let's keep recording. Um, the game is called Superliminal. <laughs> now that I have this power, I'm like always debating if I should use it again. Anyway, continue. The game is called Superliminal. <laughs> It's a uh, it's a game that's been kind of floating around the internet for a long time. It um it showed up in like like game dev hashtag tweets like forever ago. Um, just where a lot of people will just like tweet out like little gifs of things that they're working on. Um, it it showed up like way back when. Um, and and the conceit of the game is that it was a puzzle game where you're making your way through um kind of like portal esque test chambers. If, if I had to really like kind of throw a dart at it, but th- but the whole conceit is that when you pick up an object. And, and there uh, are a lot of objects you can pick up. When you pick up an object, it stays the exact same size in your field of view. This is an extremely hard game to describe visually, so I'm very sorry. It might be worth like looking up a trailer if you've never seen what this game looks like. But but the object, when you pick it up, stays the same size in your field of view. And as you move back or forth, uh, it'll stay that exact same size. So if you're moving backwards, that object is actually getting bigger uh, because when when you move backwards, it's taking up more space in the room. Uh, whereas if you move forwards and closer to it, it's actually getting smaller because like if you if you take a cube, for example, that's in the middle of the room and you walk all the way towards the wall, it's actually not changing size. Uh, so when you get all the way towards the towards uh, one of the walls, it'll be like a little tiny cube. And when you drop it on the ground, it goes like instead of like a big, like huge banging noise, if it's gigantic and you drop it down and they use that for um, just like a a multitude of different kinds of puzzles. Uh, A lot of it is like, okay, take this object, make it big or small, use it as a platform to get like over this wall or or through a place or like, can you take this uh, cube from one side of the room that's gigantic and then shrink it down 
to fit on a little tiny button that's like inside of a wall somewhere else. Uh, like, can can you like sneak through a little crack in the wall and like like drop the cube onto that button uh, to unlock a door and move on to the next thing, which like is fun and good. Uh, that that as like a central conceit for the game is like a cool time. I do find that like the whole thing is like maybe an hour and a half to two hours max. If if I had to guess, if I had to like really like pinpoint it, but I, I do find that over the course of that hour and a half to two hours, they do tend to lean a lot on like, okay, you found two cubes and now one of them has to be kind of small so you can jump up onto it. And then the next one has to be like a little bit bigger so you can jump onto that one. And then you jump through the door like that exact scenario plays out a lot in, in the game, which like, you know, how many times do you need to go to the well? Also, the game isn't that short. So like it, it's kind of a bummer that like the same puzzle is being used multiple times, like in a kind of shorter experience. Um, but then you get like really interesting shit where like this game is really playing with perspective and and uh, and and illusions in a way that I've never seen a game kind of yeah. mess with before. Where like sometimes you'll you know open a door will open up in front of you and you'll see a cube that you think you can pick up, but as you walk towards it, you find out that it's one of those illusions where it's painted on the ground over like an entire hallway where like if you're lined up perfectly it looks like a cube but as you start walking towards it it kind of stretches out and you find out it's just like a texture on the floor and the wall behind it so it's actually not a real thing that you can pick up and that happens a lot in the game as well uh and in those instances it's always surprising and it's always fun and it's always cool because like you think you're going to walk into a room there's actually a specific sequence where you walk into a room and it's that two cube puzzle and then you walk into another room and you think it's going to be that two cube puzzle again but the cubes are actually just painted on the ground behind you so like you can't actually do anything with it. Um, so that's interesting. There are also a lot of instances in which like the game is asking you to line up visually uh, to complete like pieces of a puzzle. So like, OK, there's a, there's a piece of a cube painted on a vase and then some of the cube is painted on the wall behind the vase and you have to line up the vase with uh, with the, the rest of the painting behind it. And then when you do that, you can grab it and it's a physical object that you can grab and like pull out mm-hmm. of the environment and then use um, it's so, like that kind of stuff is really cool and interesting. There's another whole section of the game that involves like taking an exit sign off of a door and then making it gigantic and then using it as a flashlight to like navigate a dark area, uh, which is really interesting. There's a lot of like interplay between light and shadow. And like just because something is dark doesn't mean you can't go there. Like just because there's a darkness there doesn't mean that there's a wall, which is kind of what your brain initially thinks is going on. But then if you just walk into the darkness and you kind of like trust that there might be something there, you might find an entire new area. So there's a lot of that that I think is really interesting thing um where where i start to kind of like bump up against the game is that it feels a lot like portal in a way where like there is kind of like a test chamber vibe to it so you're like just moving your way from one test chamber to another solving whatever puzzle is in that thing and then moving on to the next one which i don't find inherently bad but there is like a sentient ai that quote unquote doesn't care about you that is talking to you through some of it which is like kind of a bummer and i'm not very into um and like you could honestly remove that whole piece of the game and it would be maybe even better honestly because then you wouldn't constantly be thinking like that's just glados from portal but like maybe not as good uh which is like kind of a bummer to say um but the other side of it is that the the game's conceit is that you uh are are playing as a person who has gone into this like area in just like a strip mall that has this technology that they use to allow like they they kind of like do a um they force you into a lucid dream and that's what you're experiencing and the whole thing is like you came into this place 
uh, because you need some kind of therapy because like there's this feeling of like worthlessness and self-doubt and like sadness that you can't really place. And by exploring your own lucid dreams, you might be able to like get out of it. Uh, and, and that is like a very interesting idea that isn't really explored at all in the game. They kind of keep alluding to it by uh, you finding these like tape decks around the place. And whenever you do it, there's there's like a guy who I guess is the doctor that runs this place who goes, hello, my name is Dr. Glenn Pierce. And you might be feeling uh, feelings of worthlessness and self-doubt that I would like to explore with you. And then he'll like say a couple things, and then you just kind of move on and then you find another tape deck elsewhere. And like it doesn't really go further and further into that idea as much like it doesn't mm. it doesn't really do anything except for set the stage for the end of the game, which I think is very, very well done. And like, honestly, like an emotionally resonant and interesting idea that's all compressed in the last like 15 minutes of the thing that that kind of should have been stretched out more because a lot of the game uh, at least the narrative of the thing is is about you just kind of making your way from puzzle to puzzle. And and what they're telling you throughout the course of it is like something has gone wrong. You're way further in the dream than you're supposed to be. Like, we need to get you out of here. Just like follow the exit signs that we're like trying to place around. And like, hopefully that'll lead you back to the actual like lucid dream that we've manufactured for you that will help your therapy and will help you like move on to the next stage, which like kind of is is a fun framing device and that's kind of all i thought of it as was like this is just a framing device to allow me to like explore like a dream state that that you know has like completely weird proportions and dynamics and and allows for this kind of like weird illusory puzzle solving mechanic and like that's that's enough that's all i needed really was like just give me a, a narrative framing that allows me to like believe that this is a thing that's happening but then the end of the game gets like really heady and really beautiful in a way that i wasn't expecting it all becomes monochromatic so while you're like making your way through like weird kind of hotel rooms and like there's a there's a point where you're like going through um just like this really like kind of scary uh like kitchen that that seems to be where there's like it almost turns into a horror game honestly for a bit of it and and you think it's gonna like uh, reveal like some kind of murder or something for a while you're like following blood trails along the ground and stuff and i don't really want to kind of like spoil what ends up happening in that room but like it gets like honestly pretty freaky for a little bit of it that kind of stuff is happening all preceding the ending which becomes this like monochromatic just like kind of like a beautiful experience where you're making your way through these like so abstract environments that like you almost can't really perceive how you're supposed to make it through without just like trying everything that you've that you've experienced up until then right it's like almost a kind of successful way of doing that like mario thing where it's like you've learned a bunch of different mechanics and different in different ways to traverse an environment and now we're putting it all together and you have to try all of them to be able to make it through here and they're introducing new ones and it just gets like really abstract in in a in a, in a way that i think is very successful and throughout the course of it they kind of hammer home what the game is about. And I really wish that they had done that before that last point. Mm, um, because, yeah. because, and, and I don't mind spoiling this because I think like, honestly, knowing it going in would make you enjoy the game more, but the game essentially, the, the thesis statement of the thing is that the whole game is about you trying to perceive things in a new way to look at a thing that you think you understand and to say like, that actually is not the correct path through. Sometimes you're going to have to deviate from that path and try things that maybe don't make sense 
uh, immediately because your, your brain doesn't perceive them that way and try a new thing to progress, right? Like that's what it's all about. It's, it's, they keep saying perception is reality. Um, but, but the game is, is actually kind of trying to subvert that idea and saying like, just because you perceive something some way doesn't mean that it's the truth. Um, and, and that I think is kind of compelling in that by the end of the game, you know, if, if you're to take everything that they've kind of, uh, stacked on top of itself and then, and then, uh, kind of readdress it later, this idea that like the the character that you're playing as is there in this therapeutic center because they're feeling these feelings of like essentially depression. They're feeling all the signs of depression and that the, the game is saying like it's all about like rewiring your brain to experience something that is not that I think is actually a really compelling idea. And like personally, having gone through years and years of therapy for depression, like that is a lot of what my therapy was about was saying like you you are so deeply ingrained in this in this way of living that that uh, your brain is trying to seek out the negatives constantly and is reinforcing those with more negatives. And you just kind of let yourself spiral down in into like a deeper sense of dread, essentially what the game is is presupposing and what my actual like experience with therapy also was was like we need to retrain your brain to find positives in things where you think there might be negatives like we need you to take this scenario where where you think that the only way uh through is further down into like a darker pit of despair and and let you finally see that there is like actually light at the end of the tunnel and that there are ways through this um, and I think that that's like really, really kind of a, an interesting thing to explore via like a puzzle game that's in mm. in the in the uh, same vein as like a portal or a Stanley parable or something. And and although I think it's it's a successful idea, it's not executed in, in a way that I think really like nails that point, which is kind of disappointing. Does that mean that I wouldn't recommend playing this game? No, I would absolutely recommend playing it. I had a great time and, and it's constantly surprising. It's constantly interesting. I just wish that that idea that that one like grain of a concept that they're trying to hammer home was more successful because it is so interesting and it, it is not a thing that i really see uh explored in a lot of games like we, we've talked a lot about celeste and, and how that game deals with um you know feelings of anxiety and like making your way through that and like the the feather mini game that allows you to yeah, like breathe yeah. in a way that kind of helps like people in real life manage their anxiety like that mini game has has broken out of celeste and has become an actual mechanism that people use to like survive and thrive through panic attacks um yeah. and, and things like that this game could have been that like this could have been uh, for depression, like I, I don't, I don't want to say that it's you know a, you put a blanket over the entire thing. Like obviously not. There, there are a lot of different avenues to to therapy and getting better and things like that. But like my own personal experience with therapy lines up weirdly with what Superliminal is trying to trying to say. And and in so doing, I think is is an interesting um, is an interesting game to explore and try and like I don't know just try and like grok as much as you can from it because like it, it's a, it's a compelling point made like almost well you know um, yeah it's frustrating when a game like puts down the pieces of like you like you you can see it building up to something that you're really excited to see and then it doesn't commit to it. I'm trying to think of any examples I've experienced with that. Well, what's what weird I mean, is that it, it does commit to it at the end, but at no point uh, prior to that does it commit to it. Right, like, right, the, right. the ending is really compelling. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what you've been trying to say this whole time. Like, why didn't you say this earlier? Like, 
like yeah. this this idea that like depression isn't the only way shouldn't be the twist you know <laughs> right right yeah i think um weirdly the game that came to mind was not to spoil it but final fantasy 7 remake to me is a game that like kind of stumbles a bit until the last like third of it and then like just seals the deal and what it's trying to accomplish and what it is trying to say like as a game yeah that i think like looking back i think it does set up that ending throughout but and obviously it's a very different game about different things but i I was thinking about a game that like nails the ending but maybe like it that thesis is weirdly absent in moments preceding right like because ideally in all storytelling if if you know if that's the theme of the game it should be present in all aspects right it should be it should be present yeah. in all the characterization and in all of the dialogue and even when you're talking about a video game like it has to be present mechanically as well and that is present here like they they nail it mechanically right this idea that like nothing is what it seems and and you should try and break free of your preconceived notions to like make your way around an obstacle does actually lend to the theme of the thing it's just that all of the dialogue that precedes it is like, oh, no, everything's going wrong. What are we going to do? And like at the end of the game, they're like, ah, maybe you've guessed by now, but nothing was going wrong. And this was all the plan all along. And it's like that. That's that's a bummer as a twist. Like I, I would much I would much <laughs> rather I would much rather the game commit to being about uh, like rewiring your brain to like experience happiness uh, than than just telling you that shit's going wrong for an hour and 45 minutes, you know? Totally. I mean, I think a good example of a game's thesis that is present in, like, every part of its identity is The World Ends With You, which we talked about earlier. Right, which is like, why I wanted to talk about Superliminal today. Yeah, which is, like, you know, this idea that, that the main character is, like, trying to simplify his existence by only caring about himself and and just the image of him wearing headphones to tune people out, but he's inherently listening to everyone's thoughts yeah. is like a very brilliant like image to have with that game. Right. Um, and, you know, the idea of like fashion being the armor, what influences your stats, like how are you choosing to present yourself and to connect with people around you? Like what what are you giving off to other people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still very curious about this game. I would, love, I mean, you, I watched the trailer for it before we recorded. It looks really cool. I'd love to check it out one day. It's but yeah, it's so good. I, I understand that, that that's kind of the thing about it yeah. is like it it is a really good game, and and I really enjoyed playing through it. If if none of that narrative stuff was there, I would still recommend it because like as a puzzle game, it's great. Like I mean, I said this right at the top, but I, I finished the game and then immediately wanted to try speedrunning it because there are like achievements in the game and there are a couple mm. for speedruns. It's like, can you beat the game in less than an hour? Can you beat the game in less than a half hour? Um, and like that is honestly a, a thing that I wanted to try and do and like almost made it all the way through and then fucked up really bad right at the end. And I, I was really upset. So I, I quit the game. But it it is a fun enough game to like make your way through that I would recommend it. Um, and and I do think that what they're trying to do from a narrative and like meta narrative standpoint is really interesting and really compelling. It's just that those two halves don't meet to make like a really interesting whole. So like if yeah. you, if you want if you're interested in either of those aspects, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Definitely play it. It's great. Um, maybe not on Switch honestly because like I've seen gameplay of this thing on PC and it looks way better. Like. They've definitely um, from like a graphical standpoint, like it definitely doesn't stand up, I I think, uh, as well on Switch. Not that like I'm complaining about the graphics, but like if you have the ability to play it on PC, like definitely do that. Um, That's no Warface. It's no Warface. It's on the (laughs) the cry engine. Um, (laughs) But uh, 
you know, if if you're looking for like the perfect video game, it's probably not it. But also like you and I have said many, many times on this show, like I, one of the worst phrases of all time, it's like, it's not the best game in the world, which like, yeah, this is not. I hear that all the time. Yeah, I hear that all like from Pete, like and I get it. I, I get it. But there's almost this like unconscious fear of loving something. Where it's like, you know, like anytime a friend of mine sees a movie, they'll be like, oh, you know, it's not the greatest thing ever, but I loved it. It's like, OK, just lead with that. I'm not going to I'm not going to tear you apart for loving something. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, and I like, you know, I think it's I think we all know that. I think we all know that there's a way to love something and still be aware of like, I mean, there's ne- like you should never experience a piece of media and have no thoughts or questions or desires <laughs> for something to be better. Right. You know, like, what is that? Yeah, that's nothing. That's just getting like blasted with the ray of light and being like, oh, I guess I'm somewhere else now. Here we go. I'm Warface all along. Yeah, um, that was the twist. But yeah, I think um, that sounds really neat. And I, I, I think sometimes too, like a game's shortcomings can also be like a seed planted for for what the next thing is. You know, I, I've gone on record. Talk about a game I went into blind. I picked up Gravity Rush 2 and like ended up loving it. And that's a game that like is just wildly inconsistent. But for what it does well, I love it. And I'm like just so excited to see like for what this game does well and what it inevitably inspires others to do. Like what is that going to lead to? You mm-hmm. know, because that's the other way to view this is like what is this going to inspire? Yeah. Um, even if it didn't stick the landing the whole way, like what is this going to lead to? So, yeah, yeah. I, cool. I, I found I found the thing emotionally resonant and I found that it like it really did, you know, stick the landing that it had. Um, at and I'm just like, I'm just like bummed that it took an hour and a half to get to that point. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And, and in replaying the game, honestly, because I've, I've now played the game twice, just about in replaying the game. Like I kind of doubled down on that where I was like, maybe I just like wasn't seeing it. Like maybe it was always there and mm-hmm. I, it just like wasn't working for me. But that's really not what was happening there. Um, but anyway, that that was like maybe an overwhelmingly negative take on a game that I actually really enjoy and would recommend. Um, Superliminal is overwhelmingly negative. Okay, it, it's out on Switch and it's out on PC and and probably will end up elsewhere if I had to guess because it's good. Yeah, it, it also reminds me that the Stanley Parable is coming out for a Nintendo Switch at some point, and they're adding new stuff to it. It's like a it's like a definitive edition of Stanley Parable, or they named <laughs> they named it something that is like that is like Dragon final. Quest. It's like Stanley Parable Final Mix or something. Like it has like a very video gamey <laughs> subtitle, which is hilarious and like perfect for that. Stanley so. Parable Twenty Six Days Over Five. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I am so excited to revisit Stanley Parable eventually because that game is awesome. Um, so if you want something that'll hold you over until that happens, definitely check out Superlim it's it's a it's a cool time awesome yeah and i'm sorry that i spoiled it but i i thought it was worth it for the discussion i think so i don't think you spoiled it you're shit i think it's hard to share your the personal experience you had without sharing some aspects of it yeah but all that said like still worth checking out because you're going to be surprised many 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 times throughout the course of that game just at the solutions to some of the puzzles that you're going to need to solve it 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 can get like wildly difficult in ways that i wasn't expecting like really spending an extremely long time staring at a wall trying to figure out how you make it past that wall (laughs) um yeah which is really kind of fun yeah cool you want you want to wrap up 
Yeah, that sounds good. As always, thank you so much for listening. It's it's unreal, uh, especially if you're new to the show. Thanks for checking us out. If you like the show, uh, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. That's really the easiest and, and most fruitful way to help the show gain a larger audience. Um, but as always, we're we're just so grateful for for everything we have right now. Honestly, like I, I we love making the show, and we're happy people enjoy listening to it. If you really really like the show, and you're like, I'm not just gonna share it with a friend. I want to do more. I loved Warface, and to rethank you for this gift, I want to help your show really grow. Uh, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. That's always a surefire way to help us uh, get viewed more. Um, mm-hmm. And also, uh, we have a Patreon. We said this a million times uh, right now, especially. If donating to the Patreon at all puts you in any kind of financial strain, please don't. We will not be offended. Uh, the, the show can exist without the Patreon, but the more support we get, the more we can do. Uh, that's That's been the mantra from day one. And, and the, any support we get allows us to do the bonus episodes, which are available for everyone. So as we said earlier this episode, this month's bonus is going to be Pokemon Crystal. We're really excited for that. And it also lets us, you know, maybe get more equipment for streaming. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, we, we, I think I'll speak on your behalf here, Brendan. I think you and I are both pretty comfortable usually spending our own money on games. But like every blue moon where there's a game like Last of Us 2 or Death Stranding, where like you and I were both not interested in getting it at first. Yeah. Uh, we, we may use the Patreon to get stuff like that. And of course, uh, in June, we donated it. And I imagine we will do that again in the future with the more support we get. So right. uh, we'll keep you posted on where that money is going. Also goes to our editor, AJ, who is currently the only one making money off of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but sure, sure does deserve it for the work he's put in. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Want to give another shout out to AJ for just dealing with our nonsense. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> of editing real. that has to happen on this podcast. Also just a really kind person and a great. Anyway, um, what else is there? Oh, um, I guess this might be okay to to highlight. We are going to unveil merch one day soon uh, due to popular demand in the Discord, um, which is unreal to say. More on that soon. I just wanted to kind of say that that is going to exist one day. And, and uh, I'll keep yeah, you posted. Kind of like the Patreon in the first place where we were like, we kind of had no interest or inkling in starting a, a Patreon initially. Um, and then enough people asked us for one. Uh, so then we were like, oh, okay, sure. And then made it a Patreon. Yeah. Similar thing with merch was a situation where we, we had talked off and on about maybe doing merch at some point, but like weren't really, I, th- I think, like driving towards making it happen anytime soon. And yeah. uh, I don't know, a p- bunch of people have asked for it over the, you know, the past week in particular, but also the past couple of months, people have uh, asked us for it. So like, I think it's getting to the point where... Uh, uh, we got to do it. And honestly, like those kinds of changes, like adding a Patreon and, and merch and stuff like that, like that all happens because you, dear listener, um, ask us for that stuff. So if there's other stuff that you want yeah. that's outside of all that, I guess let us know and, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. So I want to say exciting. this real quick about the merch, too. I like I had a lot of hesitations because I really don't want to turn this into like a blue collar comedy scenario where we're like <laughs> selling Gator Dunn mugs. Yeah. But I also think like. You know, you and I are, are kind of in this belief of like any any money that this show makes should be willingly spent from people who want to, you know? Right. So like I think merch is kind of in this philosophy of like if you like the show that much and you want to support us, 
even beyond the Patreon, that avenue exists as an optional route, but you're never going to get more or less of the show because of your financial ability. Right. And I think that's why I feel comfortable doing it. We're also partnering with uh, our, our beloved artist, Scout Wilkinson. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the merch will be featuring her art, which is really exciting. Uh, we'll probably add our own over time as well. But on launch, it will probably be primarily hers. She's done so much already that like it's kind of ready to go. Like She has, you know, drawn uh, our favorite Argonian Lester from our Oblivion stream, which is drawn your new ghastly tiki drink and not to mention the season three art. So like, yeah. That was another reason why we wanted to move forward. Because I'm like, if if it, if if it's only to showcase her artwork as well, that's like a reason to do it. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So that stuff is on the way. Um, I imagine if I had if I had to guess a timeline, like probably early next month. If I had to like really yeah, nail it down, um, that feels right. But anyway, so that just I guess stay tuned for that. Um, outside of all that, all the classic stuff, uh, we have Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and YouTube, and you can find the links to all of those on IntoTheCast.online. As we said, I. Been streaming a little bit more, which has been fun, uh, and would like to do it even more than that. Um, so even like when we're done with Pokemon Crystal and stuff, you know, and the bonus episode is done, like I'd still like to find, I think, more like Game Boy games or something to stream because that in particular is really fun. Yeah, totally. But anyway, I guess that's it for this week of Into the Aether, a low key video game podcast <laughs> presented by whatever bank Kellogg. made Island Saver <laughs> CD Bank. Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo. Cool. All right. Well, that said, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. <laughs> I almost said I'm Warface just for the bit, but I couldn't commit to it. Uh, I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful week. Have a great summer. I uh, hope you're doing well with everything. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sorry, I have to get this thing that I can't stop playing with whenever I'm recording or doing anything. <laughs> it's a it's it's a it's a keycap puller for mechanical keyboards you can like take the keys off oh wow um but it has like so many little things that i can like unscrew and fuck around with which is like great for not being able to focus or helping me focus i guess you know <laughs> it's like um, a cat toy yeah. yeah and then like when i'm on calls and stuff i just do this the whole time i just like swing it around and then oh sometimes it goes flying off my finger and then lands in <laughs> bad places like in my eggs <laughs> <laughs> Gordon taught me how to make these. Um, I don't know why that keeps coming in. <laughs> Put it on the heat. Keep the eggs moving. Take it off the wow. heat for another minute. Put it yeah. back on the heat. Throw your keycap puller right in those eggs. <laughs> yeah. Straight no, into the pan. <laughs> if the egg splatters all over your face, even better. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage dot online.